Sadly, today we wanted to acknowledge the passing of the late, great Bill Russell. Bill Russell was a great basketball player, a great basketball coach, and an amazing human. He was a leader in the black community and a leader for social justice and for social change. One of the greatest to ever play the game, 11-time champion. Rest in peace. It's the Cavaliers Basketball Club Podcast. And basketball time to kill. Love picks up Curry. Kyrie Irving from downtown. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. It's over. It's over. The 52 is over. The Cavaliers have won the NBA championship. Cleveland, this is for you. Sexton works on Irving. Hey. The shoot around. Welcome back to the club. We have discussed a lot of the Cavs players, and this week we wanted to chat about the Cavs bench, the reserves, and the other guys. On this episode, we felt it was important to highlight the unheralded play of the guys at the end of the lineup. Dudes like Lamar Stevens, Dean Wade, and Jetty Osmond. Well, we have a Sexton update. As we know, the Cavs offered a three-year, $40 million contract to Colin Sexton, but Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com thinks Sexton's camp won't take that. It's rumored that he'd rather take the qualifying offer of $7.2 million for this coming season, prove his worth again, and be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Thoughts? Part of me wants Sexton to be signed and be on the team. And I'm glad that Fedor was giving us this update of what the Cavs gave him, what they offered him. I'm not so happy that the rumor is that he could only take the qualifying offer and he would become an unrestricted free agent next year. So we would possibly go through all of this all over again next year. So I'm glad there's a little bit of movement, but I'm not happy that it could potentially be for such a small deal where he's trying to prove himself again. And as Cavs fans, we're going to have to go through all these mental hoops all over again in the offseason next year. Am I being selfish here? Are you in the... <laughs> Am I being a jerk to Colin? We've been seeing this train rolling down the tracks for a long time, and it's a sad situation for Colin because he had a minor injury derail his production with the Cavaliers. And he bet on himself, his team bet on, on him going into the offseason, thinking that the rest of the league valued him greater, and they didn't. They decided that he was worth $15 million or less. And so the Cavs, who once were possibly floating a 60 to $80 million contract his way, now only want to give him $40 million for three years. And that's just the nature of the business. So I, I don't blame Colin's team for taking the other side of what they can do with the business, which is take the qualifying offer, prove yourself, and see what you're worth going into next year. As far as what our expectations are moving forward, we get a guy that I think is probably worth closer to 20 to 25 million a year if everything aligns right for him. 
we get him for at least one more season on a team that doesn't necessarily need him need him I think at, at this point maybe the the best we can hope for that we get to see one more year of what's possible with Sexland and the team as originally envisioned and if there's nothing but success who knows what can happen but if not at least we got one more year I'm not going to stress having to go into the next offseason oh will he stay will, will will he not stay because as a team we're so built out now that I'm worried about losing more than just Sexton as long as we keep the core I'm less concerned part of me wonders if this is kind of really bad advice that he's getting from his representation I know he got new representation going into this offseason and I understand the idea of rebooting your value but the rest of the league might look at it and say, you signed a $7.2 million contract. I don't care if you average 20 points a year this past season. Your value is at $7.2 million, So maybe we double that. Maybe we don't. That's kind of the road you went down. And now you're not going to make more than $15 million a year, period, by the rest of the league standards. At the same time, this offseason's been crazy. We just saw Rudy Gobert get traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Timberwolves gave up so many assets and so much money that who knows what a player's value really is. If another GM really loves Colin Sexton, they might pay him over $25 million a year. Who knows? They're dumping money into Westbrook, so... <laughs> Who is your favorite bench player? And make the case as to why they should get more minutes. Easily my favorite bench player is Lamar Stevens. We talk about him more than some of the starters even. Lamar is a player who, as soon as he got on the court a couple of years ago, I thought that he was a player that the Cavs had just lucked out on. He's got great size. He's got great physicality. For the most part, he's been able to evolve into a player who knows where to be at the right time. He definitely got a little more comfortable last season playing more minutes. He played about 16 minutes a game last season, and he really showed that he is a player who is always working on improving. He is figuring out what types of shots to take at the right time. He improved his outside shot. And a big thing that I know that JB loves about him, he's a really solid defender. As Besides Okoro, I would say that Lamar is the other wing player or backcourt player that brings some type of physicality to the team. Okoro and Lamar together are pretty good one-two punch because usually Lamar was backing up Okoro last season. So I like that the team is still able to keep some type of identity when Lamar is on the floor as well. Now, to make the case for him to get more minutes, maybe I would enjoy him getting closer to 18 to 20 minutes a game. But the caveat would be he really does have to get his three-point shooting percentage closer to 35%. Right now, it's still below 30. So if he's shooting even better from three, then I would definitely make the case that he should be on the floor more than some of the other players, maybe like Jetty or somebody else on the bench. So that's how I would see his path moving forward is if he can... Keep doing what he's doing, 
but hit that outside shot a little bit better and he'll get more minutes. Are you going to pick Lamar as well? Well, I think you had a great choice in Lamar Stevens. You and I both think that he should stay on this team. He should be a glue guy for this organization moving forward. He came up with the whole dog chain. The fact that um, he gives this team an attitude, a presence, a belief in themselves. And sometimes you just need a, a strong defender to come off the bench. You don't always need shooting. What I like about Lamar is he's basketball smart. He knows where to go on the court, where to be on the court. And it doesn't matter what position you put him in. So he finds his way to the basket. He finds his way to buckets. But his natural abilities on defense make him the perfect candidate for, for this question. I would say the next one, uh, this might be a little obvious if you've been paying attention to what the Cavs have been talking about moving into next season and what reportedly Bickerstaff is interested in trying. And it's interesting as well because we were just talking off mic uh, recently about how both of these players have been rumored to most likely be cuttable, <laughs> uh, releasable at this time. But I'm going to say Dean Wade is my choice, mostly because in the question why they should get more minutes, I think the easiest answer, the one that I wanted to lean towards, is Ricky Rubio. Because I'm excited to have him back. He's the ultimate bench player for our team, ultimate sixth man. There's no way he's not going to come back and play that role. Now the question will be, is he going to be healthy enough to do so? We know what Ricky Rubio is. We know what minutes he's deserved. He started eight games last year. So he's deserved starting minutes when you have to do so. So I'm going to say Dean Wade because I think he is a player that isn't necessarily appreciated by the Cavs fan base yet. I think there's been a couple of big highlight reel, you know, dunks, steals, breakaways, those types of, of moments for Dean. But when I go to the games, I hear a lot of criticism from the crowd, especially about his defense. I don't really see it, though. I, I don't know if it's just because of some of the assignments that he's been given over the last two seasons, but I see a guy that is working really hard to gain more lateral quickness, I don't see as a major liability out on the court when he is given minutes. And often with Kevin Love, no offense to you, Kevin, but with his diminished skill sets and really being this guy that sits out at the three, I've thought over the years that Dean Wade could easily be that on the nights that Love can't play. They've got similar size. Dean doesn't shoot quite as well from three, but he's got an impressive stroke. And I think if they asked him to work on that part of his game. And if they drew up a few more plays that instead of for Kevin, they were for him. I think he could deliver for the Cavs. He shoots around 35% from three. Believe it or not, Kevin is often about that as well. Now, last season, he was closer to 40%. So, you know, everybody has their hot years. Dean Wade has a, a very large upside to what he can give you. And adding four to eight minutes a game, five to eight minutes a game, could be beneficial. Now, I know the Bickerstaff has talked about playing him at the three this coming year, so they're already talking about how they can rotate him around and use him in different ways. Yeah, I would say Dean Wade is my answer. Would you say that 
Wade should get more minutes in lieu of Kevin Love or only if Love gets injured? I would say in lieu of Kevin Love with the idea that Kevin is coming into his 16th or 17th season and he has shown that he's got a lot of propensity to get injured. There's not a lot of traction left on the tires that he he really needs to be used sparingly at times throughout the regular season. An 82-game season is a long stretch. So, yes, I would say in lieu of at times because you just want to get him more rest and you want to make sure that it isn't because of injury. Because I really want Kevin Love for the playoffs. I don't really want to waste him in the regular season. And right now we have, we're starting to build up probably too many sixth-man candidates. If there's something that they can work out where they're, they have an understanding with Kevin that they need to keep him as healthy as possible and to use him a, even more in a Kyle Korver sense when Korver was on the Cavs, uh, when LeBron was here, Korver would just come out and just be on fire. They would try to run four or five sets in a row with him, try to get 12 quick points off. If we can do that with Kevin, that would be ideal. And you use Dean Wade as your workhorse power forward slash small forward. I think that makes a lot of sense. I also think you alluded to it. JB is a creative thinker. He might see it as a way to have Wade on the floor at the small forward if that actually helps put take some of the pressure off of Kevin to perform defensively as much. So it, you're kind of maybe not taking Love's minutes away but you're allowing him to not, or he, he's not pressured as much defensively. Kevin has lost a step defensively that he will not gain back. And sometimes he is a liability when we just want him to be out there for a couple of quick threes. And so if he can rotate in, hit those threes and rotate out, then the minutes that he's going to lose in that should go to somebody like Dean. Which player from the bench needs to improve the most? Well, I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to name two players because both players I can see maybe not staying on the roster by the start of the season. And I'm going to just kind of touch on why I think both of these players are deserving of the answer to, to this question for me. And it is Karis Levert and Jetty Osman. Both of them need to improve because both of them have already probably lost a spot on this team. And if they come back, their improvement is based more on the needs of the organization. So Jetty, I'm not really sure what he can do to improve because there are so many other players now that play his position and have his skill set or better that I, I don't know what he can do. I think that there may not be enough time left for Jetty to prove anything to the Cla to the Cavaliers at this at this moment. But he he had to be mentioned as somebody that needs to improve because year after year, right or wrong, he was probably given a little too much expectations. And ever since, it's been very hard to find out kind of what is appropriate to hope for with his game. He really needed to be kind of a sixth man to come off the bench and score 15-20 a night and be consistent from the outside. And it just didn't ever really translate. It happened occasionally, but not consistently enough that the Cavs started looking for other options. And now when they get it from him, great. 
It's an easy night, but they don't look for it anymore. So, Jetty, sorry, brother, I, I don't know what you can do to improve, but uh, something has to change to improve your chances to remain on this roster. And as far as Karras, Karras is, a, is an interesting one because looking at his stats, he's hovered around 18 to 20 points a game for several seasons. Coming to the Cavs, he dropped down to about 13, 14 points a game. He struggled to get off the bench and have really any kind of productivity and gel with the offense. And in the last two games of the year, they really rode him pretty hard. They, they put him out there to see what he could do, and he continued to underperform. I think he needs to show what his statistics proved coming in, that he can be that more consistent player that they thought they were getting. Again, this team is stacking up with six-man options, so I don't know how much of an opportunity he can even have on this team. But if they don't keep Colin Sexton, and I was reading something recently that made a lot of sense that if Sexton just, if his camp chooses to go for more money than what they want to give him, and it just doesn't work out and he ends up on another team, then Karras is a great second option to keep because he's a more natural two, and they don't have to pay him as much coming off the bench. So... He could find his way on this roster, we've always said, depending on how the Sexton stuff rolls out. And if that is the case, I think he at least needs to start showing what he was coming in to the team. And it's, it's a sad realization that a lot of players that come to the Cavs have a big drop-off like that. We've seen other players over the years come, and whatever successes they had leading to, to being here, it's like they get here and they forget how to play. Or they can't put the ball through the hoop anymore. Both players need to figure out something to solidify a role for this team. I had a similar mindset in picking two. The two that I had were Dylan Windler and Raul Neto. The main reason why I focused on Neto and Windler is similar to you with Jetty. I think that Windler could be on the chopping block depending on how Sexton's contract breaks out because Windler has guaranteed cash, and if they're able to move off of his contract, then that frees up some space for the Sexton discussion. Also, Windler just has not been what they drafted him for. He has not been a sniper. He has not been a go-to shooter off the bench. He's played a lot in the G League, and he's been more of a hustle player, which is fun to watch. I think he's a solid defender, but he really isn't a... NBA caliber sniper from outside. And that's a big reason why they went after Abaji in the draft this season is they needed more shooting. So I would say if Windler does go into the season on the roster, he would definitely need to improve not only how often he shoots, but his shooting percentage, especially from outside. And I have a similar mindset with Neto because there's going to be a lot of emphasis on Neto for playing. He's he's going to be the backup point guard at the beginning of the season. A lot of fans are going to be expecting wrongfully. He will have a similar caliber play or perform as well as Rubio. I don't think that that is right to do that, but I'm sure a lot of fans will expect him to kind of do what Rubio did last season coming off the bench. And really, I just want Neto to shoot better from the outside. Historically, his career, he shot over 36% from three. Last season, however, he was under 30% from three. And if he can 
get back up closer to over 35, 38% from three again, like he had been in previous seasons, I think that'll help this team, especially coming off the bench, where you do want a player who can be a go-to shooter, especially a point guard from outside, because that allows the offense to kind of get back in the rhythm if the starters are a little off that night. I think Neto will have a solid amount of minutes, and I think that the team will rely on him, but his minutes might kind of be up in the air if he's shooting as poorly as he did last year for Washington. The stuff with Karras, I thought, all made sense. I think that, honestly, he just needs to be a better defender, and that's really hard to ask a guy who's 27 years old to all of a sudden be a better defender. Yeah, I think that's why they often would rather look to Isaac Okoro in some of those situations than put him out there. The final seconds. What grade would you give the reserves this past season? I would give them probably a B minus, maybe a C plus, only because I thought throughout the regular season they did really well, especially when Rubio was on the team. And I think Kevin Love being second in six-man votes for the season shows that they did have a lot of good players or a lot of good play coming off the bench. But going into the postseason in the play-in tournament, JB clearly could not rely on his bench play and really rode his starters. So I think that the coaching staff had lost a little trust or faith in the bench. And so that's where I would maybe say at the beginning of the season it was a B, and then it dropped down to a C plus at the end of the season. Yeah, I agree for all the same points. I think that the organization had another tough year of injuries, and any time that that happens, your bench play now becomes your starters, and you have to hope that they can get you through that turbulent time. And it wasn't as bad as the previous season, but uh, I thought they did a good job. I thought they stepped up to that calling. But as you say, towards the end of the year, they clearly lost some favor with the coaching staff and were not relied on the way that they needed to be. I know that's kind of the common thing that we see within the NBA, that the coaches suddenly go to a seven-man lineup when the playoffs start. And that is possible that they were just following suit. But my hope is that Bickerstaff and his coaching staff overall are more creative than that, and they just didn't have the legs to, to use the guys probably at the end. So, And again, that, that comes with a, a team that is riddled with injury by the end of the year. Uh, nobody's got the, the energy left to finish. Are you concerned with any of these guys wanting to be a starter? At present time, No. I think that all of them either are where they should be based on youth or based on skills. And if they, if those things don't change (laughs) and they're not going to change most likely in one season that I'm not concerned right now about any of these people wanting to move into the starting lineup. If anything, I just am more concerned about needing these guys to be in the starting lineup because of another year of injuries. So That's where my mind is. But I would say to answer who would be maybe a concern in the future, 
Isaac Okoro and Ochai Abaji. I think both of those players have the potential to be starters in this league. You know, we have to be paying attention to that. Well, obviously, the Colin Sexton situation, again, could be an issue in this instance. If he does just sign for the the $7.2 million and JB just wants him coming off the the bench, then that could become an issue where Colin wants to become a starter because he wants more money to prove to the rest of the league that he is a starting caliber player. So I could definitely see that, but I agree with you. The rest of these guys, for the most part, depending on their youth and their skill set, really are slotted in a good space, in a good spot with the team. And I'm actually really pleased with the bench going into this regular season. I think it's a really strong bench. But Colin would probably be the only player that I would be a little concerned, might be annoyed. The only other guy, maybe Karras as well, because he's going into an expiring season, if it turns out that he's coming off the bench more often. So there are some players that JB might have to juggle their egos a little bit, but that's the job of a coach, and I think he can handle it. It might be a little bit of an issue with those two players. Who on the bench might have to take less minutes. So you alluded to him earlier with your answer at the top of the pod. I think Kevin Love might have to take less minutes. I'm really concerned about his health, as everyone should be in the Cavaliers organization. You should not go into next season thinking, oh, I'm getting a fully healthy Kevin Love. Last year, he was the most healthy player on the roster, but that is not the norm for his career. So I would say that if they can manage Kevin Love's minutes even more to make sure that he is consistently contributing every night for the Cavs, he will probably have to take less minutes. Colin Sexton haunts all of these questions for the most part. He's obviously going to lose minutes. He's not going to be a starter. They're talking about him being a, a sixth man option. And even his camp is saying that they would be willing to take that role. But I think I mentioned it earlier in the episode. I think Jetty Osmond basically has no minutes left on this team. I don't know how they're going to play him at all. I think he's movable and may not even make the roster at the start of the year. So um, for now, Jetty's the easiest answer because I, I can't even picture him staying. I could say Isaac Kuro, but I know they have plans to use him more. But I could see that not working out and he has to lose minutes. And that would be a shame because I have a lot of belief in Isaac. And I think that he um, I think he already lost minutes last year. He doesn't need to lose more. Beyond that, you know, Ricky Rubio probably will not be playing as much as he did the year before. But that's probably due to injury more than anything else. My main answer is going to be Jetty. Do you have a single highlight of one of the bench players? I don't have a single highlight, but I do have a game that comes to mind that I just want to point out. And I know you mentioned earlier that he is your favorite bench player, but Lamar Stevens had a game this last season against the Jazz where he had 23.7 rebounds and two steals. I think about that game from time to time, when we, especially when we talk about Lamar. He's the kind of player that nobody really ever thought that his game would translate to that degree, that he would go into the NBA and have a 20-plus night game. You know, I wanted to be a basketball player. It was something that I focused on a lot when I was a child. Get older, you find out that genetically it's not going to be possible. Um, there are hurdles that just you cannot get over. And even when you genetically have the gifts and the ability to go, it can still be the biggest struggle for some, some of these guys. You and I saw a ton of 
talent in Stevens from day one. And we believe that he would really prove himself to be a huge asset in the league and a player that people should know his name. You know, he should be more of a marketable player in this league than, than he is right now. So I was just really pleased to see that he had a game like that. It validates kind of those feelings that we have for him. And it shows that given the right moments and the the belief from the coaching staff, uh, this kid is really special. I mean, I'll never dispute anything positive you say about Lamar, as I proved earlier. The main highlight that I can think of, mainly because I I literally gasped and maybe jumped at the same time, was when the Raptors and the Cavs played late in the season. They both were fighting for playoff positioning, and Dean Wade just had a monstrous dunk against the Raptors first by getting around Scotty Barnes, who, as we all know, uh, should not have been rookie of the year. Uh, Evan Mobley should have been. And Wade just slammed it home and it shocked everybody in, in the arena and on the broadcast. I was unbelievably happy to see Dean Wade do that against the Raptors. Thank you for listening to the Cavaliers Basketball Club podcast. Let's go Cavs!